<laughs> Why, the only cure is bed rest. Anything I give you would only be a placebo. Where do we get these placebos? Maybe there's some in this truck. I'm cured. I mean, ouch. Welcome to the Everything Hurts podcast, episode 11. I used to work for NPR, National Public Radio. My name is Dr. James Oatmeal. I mean, Heathers. And this is my co-host, Dr. Daniel Boring. <laughs> Hello, Daniel. A good, a good evening, Dr. Heathers. <laughs> <laughs> you can see I'm all chilled out because I've been taking my placebos. <laughs> we are we are getting around to doing an episode on placebos. I know that we said at the end of the last episode we would do an episode on academic disaster stories, which I am very much looking forward to. The problem is uh, on our recording schedule with overseas trips being factored in. That was only yesterday. <laughs> we haven't got enough disaster stories yet. So we've been. Uh, this is this is a good topic. Um, Harold the Viking with two A's wanted to wanted an episode on placebos, and I'm always always happy to oblige if it's a really good topic. And this is a really good topic because there's a a great deal to say. Yeah. Um, we're also doing this on the fly. We've done less preparation than usual, as in <laughs> instead of doing five minutes listeners. preparation, we've done no minutes preparation. Well, I've done no minutes of preparation. Daniel has probably read several important <laughs> seminal background texts and is now Absolutely. ready to rock. Should I go back to my NPR voice? <laughs> I don't think I don't think you can maintain that for the entire forty minutes. I don't think I can maintain it through the end of this sentence. <laughs> Now, it's such a great voice, though, isn't it? It, it just is. Has it, it is just the the NPR voice. Now, with with, with placebos, I had to think about it, and um, I remember my first ever psychology assignment hmm. essay was on the placebo effect. It was on the uh, the Kirsch placebo effect meta analysis study had just come out. Uh, and, um, that would be Irving Kirsch. This would be about two thousand and four. Yeah, bang on. So that um, that had just come out. So we were given an assignment on the Kirsch meta-analysis, basically just to talk about it. And um, yeah, I knew nothing about meta-analysis then. Um, no, a little bit more now. Um, and um, yeah, I'll always remember that, that the, uh, the f first psych assignment we got was the placebo effect and how interesting it was in the context of clinical trials particularly um when it comes to antidepressants because hmm. I, I know at least within uh, at least within the field of autism research uh, we know that up to uh 50 of the actual observed improvements that we see uh can be attributed to the simple fact of being in a trial yeah, so these placebo effects are attributing a, a huge amount. Um, so, you know, if you're doing a new treatment, it really needs to work. So you typically do. Do, do I love you, Daniel? <laughs> I know you do. Uh, I do behind uh, that behind but, that veneer. But but it's yeah. not a veneer. It's quite thick. 
It's um <laughs> <laughs> just like it's daddy. Um I've got to take issue with the language that you just used there. Okay. What what uh, did you just say? Talking about the placebo effect. Obviously. Yeah, you said up to 50% of the effect of the observed of the improved. observed effect was yeah. due to the placebo effect. Now, yeah. This is something that we might hear a lot of over the next scant hour. Um, you have to be very careful when you talk about the placebo effect versus the placebo control because they're not exactly the same thing. Because a, a placebo control is a particular thing that is a grab bag of all the miscellaneous stuff that could make your trial work properly. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, regression to the mean is obviously the big one. Yeah? Mm -hmm. When you have a trial on people who are sick, the people who enroll in the trial, by definition, are sicker than usual. Yeah. Even for themselves. And people would say you're just... Say you're somewhat anxious and then at some point in time you uh you make the transition through whatever somewhat arbitrary clinical definition we have into proper anxiety after you make that transition if there's a trial available where they want to treat your anxiety then that's the point in time they're going to choose if you don't make the the criteria because you don't have any kind of day-to-day uh, -day fluctuation or week-to-week -week or whatever else any short-term changes then you're not going to duck under the criteria. So there's an awful lot of people, just purely by the, the the virtue of the fact that they've been enrolled in something, will get better. But that's not necessarily the placebo effect of the trial, but it is something that is captured by the placebo control. Do you see the distinction? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. a huge pain talking about this when it comes to distinctions like that, but they are super important. Now, if you're referring to... Is that the classic... Uh, Irving Kirsch thing as a little pie chart somewhere. No, um, so the autism stuff uh, refers to a recent meta-analysis done um, okay. back in my old lab. and um, But I think for antidepressants, we're hitting around 70%, 70 to 75 from memory. Okay, yeah. Um, could be from the... Could be from the uh, okay, the so I'm not... Yeah. First of all, um, I've rethought it. I'm thinking of a different paper. Um, the original meta-analysis thing was in the late 90s, wasn't it? Yeah, because I was thinking, I didn't. I, I started my undergrad in 2003, so it would have been a bit before that. Yeah, he has another power. Well, he's got a few. Um, I remember... Um, I remember how substantially that initial meta-analysis was criticized for being methodologically terrible Probably, yeah do you remember you're the meta-analysis guy do you remember the details because I, I could like something that i read 10 years ago i can't remember the details in you know I, I don't remember the details, but I do know that as a whole, meta-analyses done about 10 decades ago, unless it was done very, very closely with the <laughs> ten statistician. 10 decades would be awesome. <laughs> 10 decades. 10 years ago, unless uh, these these were done with a statistician, usually they were done pretty poorly as a whole. But I don't remember this specific. I remember he made some omnibus effect 
mm. um, and just did a very straightforward comparison of effect sizes. Um, and I remember uh, him receiving a very substantial amount of criticism for that. was also published in a journal uh, which I think either went defunct wow. or... You know, it wasn't some frontline thing. I think they 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 stopped. They got a uh, ton of press, though. Well, yeah, but that's also there's been a lot of intervening publication uh, of of different things in the meantime. Um, The the problem, the problem, I think, with delineating, especially when it comes to something like antidepressants, which is obviously an ongoing, pertinent kind of issue, um, considering how fond some people are of stuffing them and their children full of the damn things um the the specific problem is you are already coming from an environment where some of the research is obviously dishonest i mean it's it's a matter of public record some of the clinical trials have been Fiddled. There's ghost-written stuff in the literature. The study results that haven't been released. People yeah. like you are doing meta-analyses, going, "Where are all the uh, if if the effects are so wide? Where are all the small sample ones that didn't work? If everything's so yeah. everything's so dodgy, so oh, that's it, a whole it, different issue. Well, that's the thing. I mean, it, it is, but it comes into an environment where people are directly questioning the veracity of the results. So it can be hard to push back again. So there's a body of literature, and you go, oh, well, all of this stuff is due to the placebo effect. It doesn't represent... I mean, if I came right out and, and uh, tried to completely invalidate something else from scratch, if other people were already going, we don't know how much of it's dodgy, as opposed to we think it's all fine... It would be received differently. No, but wouldn't you think, though, that um, while these people be publishing papers, say it's 80%, um, if there was huge placebo effects, um, then the actual effect would be even larger if people are actually holding back studies. Um, Can you expand on that, please, using the English language? (laughs) All right, so say we have a study which demonstrated that there was quite a large, um, plus, uh, quite a large placebo effect. Um, the fact that these things are already being published, um, just uh, you know, say we have this eighty percent, you know, eighty percent level that um, these eighty percent of the effects are attributed to to placebo. Uh, these are these are just the ones that we know about. So if there are even um, it, if a study didn't work, there's a good chance it was because there was an enormous placebo effect. I've got a great example which might, I might, might go into later. So if these if these studies aren't being published, then the true effect or the true um, uh, effect that can be attributed to placebo would be even larger than this you know eighty percent figure that's been bandied around. So that's what you're saying. You're worried the the placebo effect could potentially be more powerful. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, also like the direct placebo effect or other ancillary factors that mean that there's a problem with how you're running your study in the first place. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's obviously look. There's ways to control for things. I mean, they they have the I forget what what it's called, but after you do your enrollment in the first instance, you you wait a while to see if the people who are just going to get better sitting on their ass are going to significantly get better in the meantime. What's what's that called? A run in? 
Yeah, you, you might do that, but sometimes people actually want to get treatment as quick as possible. Um, yeah, of course. Well, that depends yeah. entirely on the condition. If I come yeah. in and I'm having horrible psychosis, and I think the king of Sweden is using my ears as a radio transmitter <laughs> to, ugh, you, you know, yeah. I mean, you, some people demand immediate treatment, and it's oh, very but, but hard in the, but to it, do. In those cases, people probably wouldn't be enrolled in a trial in the first place, unless they would be getting treatment as usual, and then there's an adjunctive treatment, and the adjunct treatment is the one which is actually the treatment under question. Yeah, um, that's where, a whole different issue. Yeah, yeah. this is a, a sort of evidence-based medicine stuff comes into conflict with necessary medical ethics, and you have to you have to pick a side. It's not always clear how things should be done. Yeah, you know, something that's interesting that never really got off the ground, which I thought was an interesting idea a few years ago. Um, I mean, the the one of the problems with placebos as a an actual thing, not a placebo control now, but an actual placebo drug, uh, as a pill or an injection or a task, um, we can take something like placebo surgery. And obviously, there's a problem with that. The problem is that you 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 are deliberately giving someone a procedure which you do not believe to be effective. Mm. Um, so. That might be a slight ethical quandary. Small, small. Um, but that that being said, they have done uh, mm. placebo surgical studies. Um, standard on the base- for animal research. Sorry. Standard for animal research. Yeah, well, of course it's standard for animal research, but it's not standard for sixty-five-year-old guys called Barry. You know? <laughs> but you know, it they go in for a hernia it? operation, they they knock him out, slice him open, wave hello to it, <laughs> sew him back up, and then see if that gauze actually does any good. Um, the I've got my original point. What did I originally start with? Ah, uh, I don't. I don't know. I'm going to blame you for interrupting me, um, even though it's technically entirely my fault. And hope that the <laughs> length of this sentence allows me to get my focus back. Maybe we can get back to it if you don't remember. But um, uh, I do remember. I was just. I just needed time to finish that sentence so I could think of it. Hit us. Um, <laughs> The problem with placebos in normal practice, besides the fact that you you're, have the necessary harm of sham surgery, is the fact that you then have to, to get it to work, you have to deliberately deceive people. You have to essentially do a quasi-psychological experiment where you give someone an inert substance with an expectation. Mm. Um and obviously the expectation is extreme. A lot of placebo research, when we're not talking about something where response is being conditioned, it's being discussed in terms of expectation. Yeah. Yeah? yeah. So as, as in you, you expect it to do something and then you experience the symptoms of it happening or it actually happens or whatever else. And obviously there's um, you can draw some very substantial delineations between Here's a placebo stimulant. How do you feel? Oh, yes, I totes feel all jittery. Look at me and my sweaty palms. Lol. Um, that's not a placebo effect in the same way. Here's a placebo stimulant. Oh, look at that. His heart rate is 150. I um, mean, these are, yeah, they're, obviously they involve different. They're, 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 you can see a difference in kind if you're involving the coarser physiological systems, I suppose. Yeah. So. The way that uh, this was a, a, an idea that I think has gone defunct, I'm not sure. Apologies if someone's still working on this, but I came up with this idea of microdosing, which I always thought was an interesting 
ethical way around the placebo issue mm. where you get a really, really small dose of something. Say we were, we're taking like a lactose placebo and comparing that to an aspirin. Well, a, a condition for that that was equivalent, a microdosing thing, was instead of having a, like a normal aspirin, it's 300 milligrams, right? Yeah. So instead of that, we use like 0.1 milligrams. No, but that, that's, that's stupid. And because then we're, well, it's, it's, not, still it's not necessarily stupid because I haven't finished the idea yet. Okay, go on. Dennis, interrupt us. <laughs> At this point in time, you are allowed to give people the information without qualifications that they are receiving a dose of an active substance at a level which has proven to be effective for the simple reason that if you're giving it for something that is a placebo-responsive condition... It's effective. It's effective by definition because of the actual thing. But it's not effective in the eyes of uh, local medicines authority for this is indicated for this condition. Well, probably not. I don't know anything about that. Who's the local medicine authority? Well, just whoever it is in the country. So, you know... Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. You, you can't give someone a piece of paper going, yeah, the the AMA totally... It's, an it's, a, it's basically an off-label prescription. Yeah. Well, the, 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 whole, the whole point is not that I think it's a particularly effective or that it should work, but it shows like the length, the length that you have to go to when you're trying to do... You're trying to get inside and address the issues that are at work here. You're trying to say, what is what is a placebo control? What is a proper placebo expectation? How are these things working? Which is why we spend so much time on trying to control studies in the first place. But then active, comes... active placebos are even more interesting. Yeah, we, we, we touched on this a little bit, didn't we? Yeah. Active the... placebos, it's, it's, it's simply giving someone an active drug that you... Um, certain has no direct effect on the condition so you know like if you were if you're giving uh if you're giving someone uh an iv injection of something yeah. and you put in like a really uh uh or it's something it's something like uh unpleasant i mean Atro- if you're going sorry bit of atropine yeah you love everyone everyone loves atropine yeah <laughs> <laughs> Take that, your nervous system, right in the face. <laughs> a um, little bit of atropine, just incre- increase the heart rate a little bit. Enough for the person to notice. Yeah, yeah, you get it. You feel a little bit. You see, have you ever taken it? I've never taken atropine. Atropine. You should see if you can dig some up. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure I could. Um, you didn't hear like, the Norway University of Oslo <laughs> Ethics Committee did not hear that last remark. No. Dan is not pinching your atropine and I'm taking it taking. for reference and research purposes. Um, well, look, that's a, that's a, that's a good example. So we're, we're we're treating some something completely unrelated to that. Like you said, oh, this is a really powerful medication, mm. and you've got I don't know toe fungus or something, something wildly wildly unrelated. You give you give someone the atropine and say this is this is toe fungus medicine. The fact that it is very obviously a powerful medicine with side effects is a different placebogenic experience to here is a lactose pill, it does bugger all. Yeah. Yeah. But that that sort of, um, one of the, when it comes to placebo and expectancy, one of the problems that we have is we obviously want to be recording side effects um, of people or potential side effects of people taking medications. And um, we've got a standard battery where we ask people a whole bunch of questions. Are you experiencing this? We give them a like at scale, not at all, a little bit. 
Um, and uh, I, I think there are some effects there. Well, not 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 effects, but um, just giving them the questionnaire. You know, if you ask someone, "Are you thirsty?" People are going to think, "Oh, hang on a minute, I haven't had a drink in about two hours. Maybe I'm thirsty." Versus them, <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Versus yeah. them, I mean, obviously, you, you can be parched. A, lo- and a lot of say, side effects are the activities of daily living. Are you tired? Yeah, I was up late. But the beauty and do you have an is... upset stomach? Yeah, I had Taco Bell, and that's the. I don't know if you are familiar with Taco Bell. Yeah, um, but seeing but... as it's Cinco de Mayo, and uh, Taco Bell is a ridiculous appropriation of the, uh, <laughs> of my people. Yeah, you're, you're. I can't even remember which version of uh, the Hispanic diaspora you're supposed to be. Um, <laughs> Uh, Colombia, but I'll, I'll take the whole That's uh, right. Latin American continent. Oh, I've accused you of being from so many different places. I've completely forgotten where you were actually from. Yeah, That's yeah. Actual Colombia. And I did figure out who the Quintana is, the famous Quintana. That means I could say your name right, and he was a boxer. A boxer. Yeah, that that sounds about right. But um, coming coming back to the um, the whole thirst thing and sleep effects, the good thing is because we're asking this for people in all conditions, um, mm. you know, we're asking these and, you know, over the course of the trial, people will say I'm thirsty. However, when we actually compare the um, active versus the placebo, um, you know, three people might have said, yep, I was thirsty on active and three on placebo. So that demonstrates, you know, if there was far more people reporting this under the drug, then it was a, a side effect. Um, but, um, you know, um, because it's uh, more of a placebo or an expectancy or, okay, I'm sort of led to believe this thing, then then it's fine. Of course. I mean, that's, so why, it's, covered, that's, yeah. that's why it's there. That's your placebo control and, and that, the placebogenic expectation thing. And You've that, not created an expectation. That would be bad. Yeah, and, and that's why it's so important that um, for every trial or after every administration, we ask the participant, what do you think that you were given and why? Hmm. Yeah, um, manipulation manipulation checks are underloved. Oh, they but really it's are. crucial. Like, if you're not asking this in a drug trial, you're, you're sunk. Um, you have to ask these things. And at least within oxytocin, we know that people cannot guess beyond chance what they've been given. Yeah. One, because um, there is, uh, at least in the doses that we're giving, there is no big... People say there is. People might say, oh, I was given the oxytocin. Like, why did you think that? Well, I felt a bit closer to the experimenter. Really? Yeah. Pe- pe- well, people have mentioned that. <laughs> which, which, um, you know, yeah, which, which brings me to uh, another topic. I know uh, a few years ago, there was a, um, there was a wide article and it was titled uh, something along the lines of placebos are getting more effective and drug makers have no idea why. But I've got a theory, and I think it's the internet. Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> people the, are collectively modifying their expectations. No, well, I mean, it's the internet's done wonders for for cats, but I think it's been horrible for the placebo effect because you have people. I'm going to do this drug trial. Of course, everyone's going to hop on the internet, do a quick Google. What does this drug do? So before they even come in. Rather than actually getting the um, the participant information statement, which should actually list any potential side effects, they're reading all these reports on the internet about what these things can and can't do. So people come in and tell me, oh, I've actually read, um, um, you know, uh, I can't drink a lot of water while I'm doing this. Is that true? Or, you know, what's the likelihood of, um, uh, of me becoming more thirsty or going to the bathroom a lot more? Because of the internet and the whole way through, people have this in the back of their minds, especially, and I think that's what 
that's what um, elicited the response from that from from those few participants say yes you know I just felt closer I felt I could just understand both the task and the experimenter because obviously type in oxytocin what does it do it's the cuddle hormone you know mm, I'd pick a different name any 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 decent uh, drug neuropeptide etc has generally got a bunch of different names I'd use a different name for it. Yeah, but I, I, I can't control what people write on the internet. Yeah, but you can if you've got a, a name for the thing. I mean, what 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 are the what's the brand? Uh, Sintasinin. Yeah, yeah. So what? Yeah, we, there we, we you go. What? So Call we just it. tell them we're giving them Sintasinin. Yes, done. People will still Google it. What is Sintasinin? Oh, it's oxytocin. They are less likely to recognize it in the first instance. Yeah, people. People, people are going to Google it. You could lie to them. You could actually make an actual placebogenic expectation. Uh, you could cross. You could cross. See, this is this is the thing. When you get into actual research on placebos, the way that you do that in this instance is very interesting. Okay. Um, you would start off with having a double-blind condition. Yep. And then you would have you would you the best way to do is to have a, a double-blind a double-blind expectation. That's a good idea. As in, when it's a diminution of the faith, obviously it can't stay double blind because the person who's taking the thing has to have an expectation. I mean that it's not delivered by you personally. Yep. So they get they are assigned on a knowing basis to placebo or oxytocin, and they are given the instructions. You are a control group that is receiving the placebo. Full stop. End of story. You are a control group, a single blind control group, because I'm telling you what you're getting. That is getting the oxytocin. Yep. And then you've got a one up, one down in both directions. And what I mean by that is that you've got people with a placebo who expect to have it, people with oxytocin who expect to have it, and then you've got people with the oxytocin who've been told they've received nothing at all. Yeah. And vice versa, which is the which is the traditional placebo effect. Where you give them absolutely nothing and you tell them that they are receiving something that is in fact active. I th- that's a great idea, and I think that's actually been done. I health- would assume that that's been done, but you know the oxytocin stuff better than I do. Yeah, it has been done, and from memory, there were big expectation effects with people who were told they were given oxytocin. It hasn't been done, as far as I know, in patients because patients are so hard to recruit. The other in a problem sense, is, we wouldn't, yeah. The other okay. problem is, Dan, you need you need Six groups. Uh, you yeah, need six cells. cells. Yeah? And six cells is a lot of people if you want your cells to be properly populated. Because yeah. my expectation effects are pretty crude, man. You know? Yeah, yeah. How much did you believe the thing for? Um, for? It's not like you're measuring something with some kind of great measurement fidelity. You're just going, what did you think... Barry the participant. I've chosen today's name. I think we should choose a name for people. Today's uh, Barry. The, the non-specific part. I think it was Terry the other day. Today it's Barry. I've got yeah. Barry on the brain. Hitting the, Barry uh, on the brain. <laughs> hitting the Ocker names almost. Oh, yeah, well, I don't... Yeah, someone said they wanted this to be more Australian, so we'll, we'll use... Uh, <laughs> there we go. We've got, we've got Was on the next episode. Was Coming in, Was. How are you doing? Uh, let's, uh, let's take a break. Shaking. Hagador, I need some Pyrin tablets quickly. What are you taking? Okay. Nothing. 
but just one, okay? One before the show and one for after. No more, so don't ask me. Thank you. Thank you, my darling Agador. Okay. I'm gonna put this here for Joe. Yes, thank you. Let's just breathe before oh, the bed. The room is so crowded. Could you please, please give me a moment to myself to prepare? Let's leave her. Come on. What are you doing? Why? Why are you giving him drugs? What the hell are Purin tablets? He's aspirin with the A and the S scraped off. My God, what a brilliant idea. I know. Welcome back to Everything Hurts, and today we are talking about the placebo effect. Um, thanks again for all your tweets and your Facebook shares. We really appreciate it. Uh, the topic of this episode was actually as a result from uh, someone who gave us a suggestion, so please keep them going. You can contact us on Twitter at uh, Everything Hurts with a Z. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook um, and you can send us an email at uh, everythinghurtspodcast at gmail.com. And on that, uh, we spoke in our last episode about um, what, when things go wrong in the lab. So if you do have any horror stories of when things have gone completely belly up, either for yourself or as a secondhand story, we love, uh, we love a good secondhand story. Don't you love a story that begins with... I heard with a mate. They always, are. <laughs> <laughs> they always, yeah. Um, my mate. Yeah, well, sometimes that's used as a barrier uh, to to protect people from your own terrible behaviour. Yeah, I knew a guy once who I've told a few a few things I've done have been introduced to people I don't know very well in terms of uh, I knew a guy who. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> put the toe in the water, but yeah, um, yeah, it's, a, see, it's we'll a way. just just testing the ice, just testing the ice to see if it creaks. Yeah, so if but you, yeah, look seriously, we we don't have a, we're having a we we want to talk about shit going wrong and how 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 ugly and bad and abusive this can get. I think people should have a realistic perspective on it. The problem is, is that we know what's going on, but it hasn't happened to us. Mm. So I'm all up for telling your stories, you know? I think that should be public. People should know what happened to you. If there's cautionary tales to be told, I'll fucking tell them. Yeah, we'll, we'll do if it. If you don't mind, of course. Yeah. I mean, you could tell people yourself, but it's probably easier to write me an email and then Dan can fulminate about it. He can use his special justice eyes. And, <laughs> and of course, you know, if, if you want to, we can um, we can keep things anonymous as well oh we're definitely doing that i'm not identifying anyone yeah, yeah i'll switch i'll switch all the genders for fun till you can't even follow the story yeah so we've been talking the placebo effect and i just want to give a, a quick uh, good illustration of the placebo effect from a from a recent trial to show how much expectancy plays a role now there was a, there was a recent um recent oxytocin trial done in teenagers yeah, and mm-hmm. it was looking at the impact of a few weeks, I think it was eight weeks of oxytocin on social behavior. And this was done in my old lab back in Sydney. Mm. Uh, and of course, this was, um, this was placebo controlled. Um, and people either, I think it was 25 got placebo and 25 got oxytocin. Now, here's the important thing. The main outcome was caregiver rated improvement in social behavior. So quite often in these trials, you'll actually come in and do some sort of structured behavioral task and the experimenter will assess um, based on certain cues if there's been any difference. Um, Quite often that is used as an outcome variable. But for this particular trial, it was carer-rated changes in social behavior. So a baseline, halfway through the trial, and at the end, 
the caregiver was given a battery of questions on the the child's social behavior. Right, yeah. Yeah, so overall, the study reported no effect of oxytocin on caregiver-related behavior, but taking a closer look, they found that the caregivers who believed that their child received the oxytocin reported significant improvements compared to the caregivers who believed that their child got placebo. So, you know, here's a great case of not only is this a placebo... all right. This isn't yeah, a placebo so effect. that just seems, seems to invalidate the opinion of caregivers. Um, well, it, it shows you that um, this is a case of um, the placebo effect being amplified so much more because it's not necessarily the individual who's thinking they got this thing. It's someone else who's part of a trial. Obviously, they've joined the trial because they, they want to look at a potential new treatment for, for their child um, with, with an autism spectrum disorder. So, hang on, hang on. These caregivers, for the most part, are mothers? Um, I, I'm not sure, actually. Because they, you know, that's a little bit different to uh, someone's institutionalized and this person's the duty nurse. No, uh, the vast majority of parents, whether it's the mother or the father, I'm not sure, but the vast majority, oh. I'm not sure if there was any um, participants who were institutionalized, but I think we just use caregiver as a catch-all term. But I th- yeah, I'm- it saves you from, um, saves you from splitting things into groups yeah it's, it's good you know people give care that's the important part cool yeah but so what you're saying is the if you believed it was making a difference you would report it was making a difference exactly and, and but i think a lot of it comes down to okay so let's say this early in the trial you see some shift in behavior people will improve in behavior from day to day you see this shift day one day two bam oxytocin the caregiver then as a result is going to be changing their behavior towards the child based on what they're going to be doing it all comes back to that classic study done in teachers ages ago decades ago going we're going to be splitting up you're going to be getting this fantastic class they're a bit different they're a bit strange but they're gifted yeah you know what i mean i remember this uh the vast majority of those uh, those trial, I mean, things that are that age in generally have had the bollocks kicked out of them because they had some methodological problem. But I don't remember if anyone managed to massively invalidate that I, rather I think, unethical, extremely seminal piece of research. I think that one holds. So basically, the teacher told when told this was a gifted group, even though it was completely random, these yep. kids performed much better by the end. Um, so this is. This potentially could be the same sort of thing happening here. So parents who have been given some sort of signal, whether it's just because they really, really, really wanted their kid to improve or because they got some sort of signal to begin with, then perhaps their behavior actually changes the result and the caregiver's behavior changing then sort of set off some sort of difference in behavior in the child and then there was just, uh, it just went off from there. I'm not sure, but regardless, there was a huge expectancy effect. And the belief of whether they got the actual drug was stronger than the actual drug itself. Hmm. Yeah, well, considering the drug in a lot of contexts persistently fails to do anything, um, I'm sure yeah. it was stronger than the drug itself. Yeah. Yeah, well, this is, yeah, there you go. This is why people, this is why so many people um, continue to want to employ biological models of everything. This is why my inbox fills up. Mm. 
because it's we we look we we want a, a measure of something that has guy global organism level relevance, please. Yeah, but we'd like but it to no be change. without. If there's no change in outcome, it doesn't matter. Cool, this thing increases HRV, but if it doesn't actually improve uh, what we're looking at, forget it. Yeah, Dan, stop, stop being honest. You, 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 you know, you know that. I know that. But people are looking to construct arguments that they can use to make publications and money. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, am I saying it's partially cynical? Obviously, I'm saying it's at least partially cynical. Yeah, but yeah. you know what I mean is that you get mm. to you get to make a different claim about it yeah, when you're definitely. out of the caregiver milieu. Oh, how, how he look! He looks much happier in the mornings. The oxytocins is making him the trusts. <laughs> Bollocks. Yeah. Oh um, my god, this coffee is so strong. I can see through time. <laughs> what did uh, it do? Now, med- med- doing doing placebo medications is one thing. <clears throat> one thing that I have noticed is um, some people aren't actually giving. <clears throat> some people aren't actually giving a true placebo. Um, quite often, in some medication or nasal spray studies, rather than giving um, a true placebo, should be everything that the all the excipients that the um, medication contains minus the medication but quite often a lot of people actually give an alternative so rather than giving a nasal spray which contains the excipients such as the preservatives um, they purely give saline now obviously these things are going to be different yeah there might be differences in taste or the consistency same with medication they don't give uh, all the excipients they give a sugar tablet for, for instance so that's one consideration there whether people are giving a true true placebo not kind of like a watered down um, just the action of getting a medication type placebo we're just saying things like the vehicle yeah 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 exactly right yeah um, it happens occasionally it happens occasionally but um because um, it can it's expensive um because once you're actually starting to to do a medication you um you have to go through the whole uh, good manufacturing process um, mm, certifications yeah. and then your trials become a heck of a lot more expensive. So rather than actually spending money on making a true placebo, some people save a bit of money and save a bit of administrative um, time taken to do it by just giving them um, a, a saline spray or just giving them a tablet, which isn't true placebo. So, yeah. Mm, yeah. That's, Tricky. That's not so good. Tricky. Hey, you want to hear about my favorite uh my favorite kind of placebo control thing like the like the, something that they do in uh, pain expectation studies do it all right they put you on an iv and the iv is attached to an infusion pump and the infusion pump has a continuous flow rate yeah and they start the experiment and they don't tell you when the drugs coming in it's completely out of your conscious threshold so you might have an expectation but you have no way of delineating when the dosage has started okay i like that so for instance you might uh you might fill the thing up with say it's going i don't know how much it goes maybe 20 milliliters an hour or something not a not a great deal mm. so you fill it with uh you got a bag of uh, a bag of saline and then a bag of morphine, and then two more bags of saline after that, and you just bang them down the pipe. Yep. While you can't see the inside of the machine, you don't know the schedule. So, 
we do pain testing the entire time. Like, as, let's say, I'll make it up, every 15 minutes. So they put you on the pump and they go sit around like a complete pudding. And you sit there. And then they go, alright, pain testing. Ow, that hurts. Okay, fair enough. And then you continue to sit around and you continue to sit around. They do it again and again and again and again and again. You keep doing the testing. At some point in time, the drugs are coming. It could have been yeah. right at the end. It could have been right at the start. And you don't actually know. Even the act of the needle going in, the pill being eaten, the the the, the tablet turning up in the little Dixie cup thing that mm. you get, even that's being completely removed and the thing is appearing as if by magic. Yeah. And from memory, although I'm starting to get a little bit hazy on the details of this because this is now pushing eight years since I really carefully looked at some of this research, you really knock the guts out of even strong drugs sometimes when they appear in you as if by divine power. Yeah? Yeah. Um, Because, uh, I mean, there's, there's, pain is the classic placebogenic uh, experimental interface mm. because not only is there a, a well understood and physiologically meaningful uh, pain placebo effect but you've got it's, it's easy to get at as well people understand what analgesics should do uh, they are pretty good actually at rating different types of pain and you've got thermal pain and you've got like uh, pressure pain there's an old device called a Forgion Barber strain gauge where you get a bunch of weights and a tiny little metal end and you stick someone's finger under the little metal end and it's crushed to fuck and you sit there going oh my finger really hurts and the pressure builds up over like 90, 90 seconds sort of time until it's too much and you go, God damn, take the damn thing off my finger that's killing me. Um, so you've got electricity as well. Um, and all of these things have very well understand, uh, very well understand physiological afferents. Yeah. Um, and then you can do, you can do really cool stuff. I mean, this is, you're going to be super jealous of this as a model. You give someone, let's say like thermal pain on the skin. Yeah, yeah, and then you uh, and then you give someone a cream that's either like topical lidocaine or something. It's a, a nice, well understood, available in the drugstore kind of topical analgesic, and then you do it again, but you surreptitiously reduce the strength of the thermal stimulus instead of making it. I I, I guess uh, maybe about fifty is probably quite uncomfortable or something. You knock it down to about. Just a little bit, just so it's convincing. You knock it down to about 46, and the person goes, oh, that's working quite well. So you don't even need to, you, you, that you, you don't even need to manipulate the drug. You can manipulate the perception of the side effects. And on that basis, you can, uh, you can manipulate the expectation. That's a, it, isn't that a? It's it's just a, a one of those really nice areas to look at. <coughs> Excuse me. And obviously, when it comes to things like, uh, oh, oh, I've got chronic, uh, I've got chronic pain here, or you know, I hurt my knee. Um, it means that you've got some really good models for looking at stuff like chiropractic and acupuncture. 
and a bunch of herbs that really should be in a pot broiling with a chicken. Ugh, I think we should probably, I think we're losing focus now. Let's wrap it up. Bye.